At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. The number is 855-4-G-A-R-T-E-N. That's how you get in touch with us. Facebook, Twitter, all the social media. It is hashtag SGN. It is Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N. Write us in. I want to hear from you. iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is where you can get in touch with us and you can hear us and be part of the show. All right, guys, look, let's get right into it. We are heading into week five, but we are heading into big time college football week and we're heading into Major League Baseball playoffs are right here. And all of a sudden, the sports calendar is absolutely stacked. I didn't even mention that the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are on the horizon. No, we're not going to get into that because this is just too big when you're talking about too much going on. So we are going to get into week five of uh, the NFL. Look, week five of the NFL is an interesting kind of divide, right? A lot of coaches, and you go back and you can talk about coaches that you respect, coaches that you watch win coaches that have different kind of aspects, defensive coaches, offensive coaches, they all used to say on a 16-game schedule, pretty much the first four weeks is your first marker, right? We know famously Bill Belichick is a guy that used the first four weeks as kind of a joke. (laughs) You know, I mean, he really did. He would test things out and figure it out, and he would say, you know what, look, if we go two and two after the first uh, four weeks, it's no big deal. So week five becomes huge. Well, with 17 games, To me, this is kind of the barometer. You know, there are teams out there right now that I think last week sort of separated themselves, but because of the litany of injuries, and we have massive injuries across the league, because of the litany of injuries, I think that we have to wait until week five is over to really dive in and understand what do we have here? What exactly are we dealing with? And what is that team? You know, you have some teams that we know are going to be good, right? We, we know there are teams that are going to make us some money. We know some teams are going to be bad. We know we can bet against them. We know there are going to be some over-under teams. All of that, it, we understand there are a few, but there's a lot of teams that we don't know, right? The Buffalo Bills, all right, their defense looks good. Their offense looks good. They're going to be a contender. We kind of knew that, but what do you make of the one and three Dolphins? What do we make of the one and three Patriots? Right, one of three Patriots actually feel like they're a pretty good game, pretty good season, pretty good game they're coming off of. Right, 
the one and three Dolphins, well, the roof is caving in. You go down to the north. Look, the Bengals are three and one. I'm not sure I'm buying completely into Cincinnati right now. Baltimore's three and one. They beat Kansas City. That was their highlight. But nah, look at what Kansas City is now. Cleveland's three and one, but their defense was bad the first two games. Now their defense isn't that good. So, you know, there are some question marks. Of course, in the AFC South, there's a lot of question marks. In the West, uh, it's kind of a a mess. And Kansas City is sitting in dead last place. Wow. I, I don't, I would love to find some odds there. After the first quarter of the season, the first four weeks of the season, Kansas City, dead last place. Yeah, you could have paid off pretty nicely. Let's go to the NFC. In the NFC, Dallas, I, Dallas is 3-1, and one, and I think that they're underrated. Yeah, the Dallas Cowboys, in a weird world, seemingly underrated to me. Washington, I thought they'd have a great defense this year. Uh, I thought they would be able to lean on that. They lose Ryan Fitzpatrick. The defense is a problem. They're still 2-2, two and two, but the defense is an issue here. That's weird. Philly and the Giants, 1-3, and three, but... Phillies 1-3 doesn't feel so good. Giants 1-3, hey, I've seen some sparks. Over in the North, the Packers look really good, but their fraudulent schedule is a mess. Everybody wants to fire Matt Nagy. Get him out of there. The Bears are a disaster. They're absolutely horrible. Yeah, they're 2-2 two and two in a game back, <laughs> right? Minnesota's 1-3. They feel like they should be 4-0, and then the Lions are the Lions. Tampa Bay's 3-1. We know that they're going to be good. The Carolina Panthers, even with McCaffrey's injury, 3-1. I think we can count on these two teams moving forward. Even with the injuries and everything, I think we can count on these two teams. The Saints, I don't know. I got no idea what I'm dealing with with the Saints. Jameis Winston, I'm not even sure he should be the starting quarterback right now. The Saints are kind of a mess, but they're 2-2. Two and two, And Atlanta is a mess. Arizona's 4-0. Again, I think the hype machine is a little bit high on Arizona. I'm not buying completely in that Cliff Kingsbury could win big games when they count. You tell me, yeah, well, you know what? They went in there. They, they, they beat the Rams last week. Yeah, well... You know, there was a little bit of emotion coming off of that Rams game for the Rams. Rams are 3-1. We'll see how they do this week against Seattle in Seattle, who's 2-2. Two and two. This is a good, look, this is going to be a crazy division. We knew that it was going to be a crazy division. We knew that right away. So, um, you know, you look at that, what we are, are kind of projecting here. And that's what you have to do when you're betting on sports. You have to sort of project here. And Dallas is 4-0 against the spread. Buffalo's 3-1. Arizona's 3-1. Green Bay's 3-1. Cleveland, Carolina, the Chargers, and Denver. They're all 3-1 against the spread. You know, if there's a team that's going to drop off, I think Arizona's getting a little bit too much hype, right? Um, I don't think Dallas is getting enough hype. I don't think Buffalo is getting enough hype for what they're doing. I think Green Bay, after looking at their schedule, they're going to come back to the pack. So there's a couple of ideas of, of who you might want to fade. Now, on the other side, one in three, Jets, Pittsburgh, Philly, Washington, Tampa, Jacksonville, Kansas City, Atlanta, San Francisco. Look, it's weird to see good teams up there, perceivably good teams that don't cover Kansas City and Tampa Bay. They might struggle to cover all year long because the public is still going to be on them. They still have Mahomes. They still have Brady. The public's going to go crazy. You look at teams that are not covering that are bad, like the Jets in Atlanta, if it continues to go bad, those lines are going to skyrocket. And then you could kind of find a little bit there. Jacksonville, sort of the same thing. San Francisco's an interesting one at one and three as well. How about the over-under? Let's have a conversation about over-under because, look, you know, you have to find out, is the public going to adjust? Are the books going to adjust? Or are these teams just going to continue to keep scoring or have the futility in scoring? Not a lot of teams are over-under darlings right now. The Rams are four and one to the over. Right? So the Rams offense, Matthew Stafford, and that defense looked uh, a little weak last week. 
The Rams are a good bet to go over, and they're showing it week after week. Tampa Bay, same kind of thing. They're missing cornerbacks. Their defense certainly doesn't look like a Super Bowl defense at all. Brady is crushing it. Brady's got a bunch of weapons. Yeah, Rams and Tampa Bay, those numbers are going to be 55, 56. It might continue to creep up. You might get like a 58 in there over the course of the year. But I don't even know if you could bet on them kind of regressing back. Dallas is sort of the same thing, but I think Dallas here, when you're talking about over-under and you're talking about, you know, what am I looking forward moving forward? Look, the Dallas Cowboys came into this season. Let's take a minute on them. Dallas Cowboys came into this season with the expectation that, okay, they're going to have a, a real good offense. It's their defense that we worry about. And we sort of internally were worried about Ezekiel Elliott. Will he have it left? Now, I know there's a lot of guys out there, especially in the fantasy community, that never had a doubt about Ezekiel Elliott, right? Um, a lot of truthers will call them about Zeke. Early on, Pollard looked better than Zeke, but now all of a sudden, their offensive line is stout. Their running game has been fantastic the last couple of weeks. You still have Cooper. You still have CeeDee Lamb. Who didn't even show up, really? And they're still winning. And that's the thing. Dak Prescott has had a couple of bad games here, and Dallas is still winning. But as far as the over-under goes, what impresses me is this Dallas defense. I am on record at saying I didn't believe in Dallas this year because I didn't believe you could just bring in a guy like Micah Parsons and all of a sudden he revamps the defense because he was playing middle linebacker. I believe that Sean Lee and Van Der Esch in the middle has been a strength for them for years. So even though that would be a strength, well, because of injuries, Micah Parsons is now playing defensive end. He even put out there on Twitter and he said, I I'm not a linebacker. I'm not a defensive end. Uh, what I am is a football player. And I love that. I love that what he what they're doing with him and it is massively effective. But it's not just him. How about Diggs on the outside? Diggs on the outside wins defensive player of the week. He's the best rookie defensive player by a mile right now. And Diggs is, look, I can't call him a shutdown corner quite yet, but he's going up against the number ones and he looks good. So it wasn't one guy. Look, they added two superior athletes to this team. Dallas's defense is better than I, I think people are giving them credit for. Their offense has decided, you know what? We don't need Dak to win games all the time. Let's run with Pollard. Let's run with Zeke. They're 3-1 and one to the over. I think it's bound to start going under. Because as the weather changes, and they're up in Washington, and they're up in Philly, and they're up in New York, and they're going to go with a more cohesive ground game. They're going to go with a more uh, definitive ground game attack and their defense is only going to get better. I, I would only imagine that superior athletes like Diggs and, uh, you, you know, this uh, this defense here, they're only going to get better with experience, right? They're only, Micah Parsons is only going to learn the position a little bit better. So I think Dallas on the under is something we could start to go on. Washington is three and one to the over. I have no answers for the Washington football team. None. I came in beating their drum, beating my chest, saying, okay, this is going to be Washington, their defense. I told you I thought Chase Young was going to be Defensive Player of the Year. Where has he been? Chase Young is absent. He's just not there. Landon Collins is okay, but he, he's not even playing, you know, 80% of the snaps. You look at this defense, you go, what happened to them? What happened to this defense? Now they get a guy like Curtis Samuel back, so he's going to be able to stretch the field. Uh, Taylor Heineke isn't great, but he could extend plays. You got McLaren, you got Samuel, you got Antonio Gibson, you got McKissick. 
They got some play. Logan Thomas. They have playmakers on this team. So I am not in the camp here with Washington that all of a sudden their defense is just going to turn it around. I was there. I've watched four games. Their defense is bad this year. Chase Young, I, I don't know. Maybe he can't handle whatever they're throwing at him. Two double teams, triple teams, whatever. He's a mess. He's just absent. So Washington's 3-1 and one to the over. I think they might continue to be 3-1 and one for a little while. Uh, continue to build this up, 4-1-5. I think the over is the way to go with Washington for a little while until they can figure out this defense, which I see no signs of them figuring out. And the last team that's 3-1 and one, the Kansas City Chiefs. Look, again, Kansas City is like the Rams, like Tampa Bay. It, their number is always going to be very lofty when you're talking about the total. Because people look at Patrick Mahomes and he's the superstar of the sport and they just assume he's just going to pull out miracles and he's going to be fantastic and Patrick Mahomes is going to do all this. And guess what? I'm, there, I'm right there with them. But this year's version of this Kansas City defense is really bad. Now, I know they were missing Frank Clark, but this is a bad bad defense. Make no mistake about it. This is not a mediocre defense, guys. This is a bad defense. And you turn around and you look at a bad defense with Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill and all the... the, I don't know if you could go under here. So I don't see a a spot really where there's going to be a little regression there. Now, there are a lot of teams on the under, so let's talk about it. Jets, Chicago, New Orleans, Jacksonville, Carolina, Seattle, Buffalo, and Cincinnati are all one and three to the under. Pittsburgh, Chargers, Denver, New England, they're 0-4 to the under, meaning they're 4-0 to the under, 0-4 to the, to the over, right? So they're good defensive teams at this point, or so you think. Lack of offense also contributes to it. The Jets are 1-3. Look, the Jets' defensive line last week uh, before that Tennessee game, Mike Vrabel said, this might be the best defensive line that we play all year. He was heaping praise on them, and he got a rookie quarterback. My problem with constantly betting the Jets under is – the market is saying, look, just keep making it lower, right? 41 and a half, 42, just keep making it lower. And Wilson makes mistakes. You, and By the way, the Jets can't run it either, which usually leads to Wilson throwing it downfield. If he throws it downfield and he starts to develop, he can put some of them in the end zone and push you over. If he doesn't develop, well, that could land in other people's hands and it could be going the other way. I'm not going near the Jets. Chicago is the same thing. With Justin Fields, we don't know the growth chart of what is going to happen with Justin Fields. Now they lost Devin, uh, David Montgomery. So the running game itself, going to be a little worried. I don't know if they're going to trust Damian Williams with the ball as much as they possibly should here. So Chicago Bears are going to still play good defense, but is Justin Fields going to be able to push the ball downfield? You know he likes Mooney. You got out Robinson still. Are they going to pull away from the running game? Look, these two franchises, I'm not going near their totals. Kind of the same thing with New Orleans, because I don't know how long Winston's going to be in there. This is a very good defense. It really is a good defense, but offensively, Winston gives me that same kind of feel. And oh, by the way, let's now talk about Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. It's the same situation. Now, Jacksonville, I sort of expect uh, some overs to come, just because I think Trevor Lawrence is going to tap into just his pure uh, athleticism very soon, and he's going to start flinging it all over. But Jacksonville has had a concentrated effort the last two weeks to really go to the ground game. So you see rookie quarterback under, rookie quarterback under, uh, quarterback that might lose his job under, rookie quarterback under. Those are games and teams that you can't go near as far as totals go. Seattle's one and three to the under. I'll be betting them to to correct that. Seattle's going to be an over team this year. Their defense is not good. Their secondary is not good. And you got Russell Wilson. Look, they want to run the ball. 
okay? And Chris Carson's a guy that they want to run the ball with, but when things break down, Russ is going to throw. He may not cook, but Russ is going to throw. That's going to go over. Carolina's 1-3. and three. I think that they're going to continue to go under. People not giving them credit for this defense. Once McCaffrey comes back, and he should be back in a week or two, once McCaffrey comes back, they're going to run the ball more effectively. I don't see a big spot there. So Seattle is that team. Now you have Buffalo and Cincinnati and the other two one and three teams to the under. I'm shocked at both. Shocked at both. I know Buffalo's defense has looked really good, uh, but this is a team that historically, they're just going to score and score at will, right? I mean, their offense is just too good. I don't think Buffalo's defense is as good as we've watched the last couple of weeks. And that's what's pushing this under. Cincinnati is completely surprising. I don't believe in Cincinnati's defense. Uh, now that Joe Mixon is out, or at least banged up, I think Burrow's going to throw it even more. I expect a massive correction on the over-under for Seattle and Cincinnati in the coming weeks. Maybe Buffalo. Let's go to the 0-4s, okay? Because the 0-4s are a little bit easier. Right, the Chargers are 4-0 to the under. I mean, they haven't hit an over yet. What are we talking about here? Look, I like Joey Bosa. I like Derwin James. This offense needs to eventually be kept up with, right? People are going to start going in there with a different kind of game plan now that they see how good Herbert is and Eckler and Williams and, and Allen and the entire crew that they have. The Chargers are a team that could put up 30, 40 points. They're going to start being looked at like the Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs, maybe a light version of them. Now, I think that the Chargers' defense is good, but it's not 4-0 to the under good, right? So it's not let there. I would expect the Charger games to start going over. Denver, well, Teddy Bridgewater is concussed. We don't know if he's going to play. He was playing at an elite level anyway that I expected to come back. This Denver defense is good, sure. But remember, Denver's also missing Jerry Judy. He's going to come back. Um, I think Denver might be one of the best plays to start going over very soon. I know you have to wait this week with Teddy Bridgewater. You don't feel confident with Drew Locke. But this is a team... And this is an offense that will start to get better. And their defense is overrated because of who they just played. They just played, you know, the Jets and Jacks, man. Right? They play the Jets and the Jacks. So I expect overs to start coming in. I mean, and Baltimore. I like Baltimore, but they're a running team. I expect the overs to start coming in, especially when they get into conference play and division play. And they start to take on, you know, Kansas City, Oakland, and the Chargers. That's a number that's going to correct. So you got two teams left. And these two teams that are left, I have very different feelings about both because of the quarterback. And that's New England and Pittsburgh. Both have not had an over yet. Everyone's just bashing on Pittsburgh because Big Ben is done. And I've tried to sort of defend him. But when we're talking about, you know, is he really done? Yeah, he looked, guys, he looks done. Okay. But he also looks done because the offensive line is garbage. And he also looks done because they can't get a running game together. He's passing it to Najee Harris uh, two weeks ago, 19 times out of the backfield. That, that's insane. But I do think eventually they're going to have to start running the ball. They're going to see Ben's deficiencies. They're going to see Ben's problems. And they're going to, look, we have to run the ball to take some pressure off of Ben. So I don't think that Pittsburgh is going to start just putting up overs. As a matter of fact, I think they're going to go the other way. Let's rely upon our defense. Let's start getting short passing games. And let's win games 19-17. I think that's Pittsburgh's mentality. Now, New England's mentality, and they're the other team that uh, has not had an over yet. New England's mentality is play great defense. This is Bill Belichick. It's in his DNA. It's in his blood. Play big defense, 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 and defense. The thing that worries me here is Mac Jones. Because Mac Jones right now has been 
dinking and ducking to Jacoby Myers. He has been very small in space. He has not pushed the ball downfield. He has not done those kind of things. But he can. And I think Bill Belichick is watching him grow in front of our eyes. And the more confidence that Belichick starts to get into him with going downfield, the more confidence he starts to have, okay, maybe he could push it. Maybe he could get it downfield. The more I can see New England's overs start to come in. Now, maybe not this week against Davis Mills, um, but I can start to see those overs start to develop. So I want to kind of give you a quick assessment since we are sitting here and we are in, you know, the ideas. Look, it's a quarter of the season, even though there's 17. I had to touch on it here. So let's take a quick time out. We'll come on back. Let's talk about all of this weekend's games right after this on Wagering Week. Now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, I told you I wanted to talk a little college football today. So let's get into it. What are the odds for the Heisman Trophy? Well, Bryce Young is sitting out front plus 120. Matt Corral plus three to one. Desmond Ritter coming out of nowhere at eight to one. Spencer Rattler dropping all the way down to fifteen to one. CG Stroud is fifteen to one. Now you can take the field at twenty-five to one. Robinson at thirty to one. Robinson Jr. Brian Robinson Jr. at forty to one. JT Daniels all the way down to eighty to one, and Sean Clifford falls to eighty to one. That is what are the odds? That is pretty interesting, guys. Right? People are really just falling quickly. I. I almost never bet the Heisman. I, I just can't. I can't go near the Heisman Trophy odds because there is so much flexibility in uh, the schedule, who you're taking. If they have one bad game, a lot of these guys are just done. I mean, that's just the reality of what we're talking about. And it, it, it's, a, it's a tough thing to go near, the Heisman Trophy odds. All right, quickly, let's run through just a little bit here. I just want to give you the big games on the college football scoreboard uh, this weekend. Texas, Oklahoma. It was the Red River Shootout. That's what I call it, the Red River Shootout, right? Texas, Oklahoma, this is going to be good because Texas is playing really well. Oklahoma has shown eh, he's not so good, right? Bijan Robinson is the man for Texas. They're going to run the ball. Spencer Rattler is the guy they want to throw it all over the field. I think Oklahoma has not looked fantastic recently. This is a shot for Texas to kind of take them out. OU is still a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Michigan in Rutgers is an interesting situation. Everyone's loving Michigan right now. Kenneth Walker, we know it. He should be on that list, by the way. Uh, Michigan is undefeated. Now they travel to Rutgers. They're only given five. That is an interesting line, if you're asking me. Number 13, Arkansas. Number 17, Ole Miss. Ole Miss giving five and a half at home to Arkansas. Matt Corral, can he continue this? Can he continue what we see? Look, I know they have a loss on the ledger, but man, he has looked absolutely fantastic. Georgia takes on number 18, Auburn. Georgia's defense is just out of this world. And Bo Nix is going to have a problem here. We know that. But Auburn, look, can he cover 15 and a half in a tight spot against a top 25 team, against a top 20 team? This is an interesting line to me as well. Michigan takes on Nebraska. They're only three and a half point favorites against the three and three Nebraska Cornhuskers. Nobody's believing in Michigan. Nobody believes that they can continue to run the ball or Corum the way that they are. But they got something working there. Enter Sandman will be listening. Oh, yeah, nice and loud there in Virginia Tech. They're hosting Notre Dame. Unranked Virginia Tech, Notre Dame. The game's about to pick them. Notre Dame is minus one in some spots. 
This is interesting. Notre Dame doesn't have a quarterback, right? And they went through about three quarterbacks. I'm going to be very interested to see how Notre Dame responds off of last week to bounce back here. Alabama, Texas A&M. Didn't Jimbo Fisher say in the offseason that he's going to He's going to beat Alabama, and Nick Saban said, yeah, in what, golf? 17.5-point favorites on the road here are Alabama, and I expect them to cruise. I just don't know if I can lay the 17.5 quite now. Look, Alabama's a good team, but they're coming off of a a tough game. I don't know if I can lay that 17.5. All right, let's get into the pros. Let's get into the NFL. We'll start it off Thursday night football, Rams-Seahawks. 80% of the money is coming on the Rams who were minus about one. It's gone up to two and a half or so. Sean McVay is six and three head-to-head against Pete Carroll. That includes three and two at this stadium, right? So he's got a lot of success. The Rams are five and one against the spread after straight-up loss. The Rams are also four and one against the spread the last five meetings with Seattle. They have a lot of success here. This kind of reminds me of Seattle last week where Russell Wilson has a lot of success. Well, they have a lot of success. And you're talking about the Rams have won 10 in the last 15 meetings and McVay has done really well. But isn't this McVay against Russell Wilson? Because Russell Wilson at home is money. As an underdog is money. At night is money. Let's talk about it. Look, Russell Wilson as a home underdog is 15 and five since 2009. Russell Wilson is 22 and nine as an underdog alone. Russell Wilson should not be getting points. And that's what his career has told you. Russell Wilson's also 22 and 10 against the spread night games. So this is a battle of stats here uh, all over the place. I I give a slight lean to the Rams because, not because they've won and not because of of McVay, but because Carson, Chris Carson's banged up and Seattle was missing a couple of linemen. I think the Rams defense showed some vulnerability. This is a tough game. I think I'm going to wait till the half. The Rams are 40 and 0, and you'll hear this a million times. The Rams are 40 and 0 at the half when they have a lead. When they are trailing, they are 6 and 22. If you're a smart betting man, wait until the half here. Have the patience to wait until the half. Let's talk about the game in jolly old England. Yeah, they're going back there despite COVID outbreaks. They're going back there. Don't worry about it. Look, Atlanta minus three and a half against the Jets. The Jets team that's pretty good. I mentioned it earlier that uh, Mike Vrabel basically said the Jets have the best defensive front that we're going to face all year. And, and look, they looked at Jets look good. Now, Atlanta allows the most points in the NFL, 32 points per game. So their defense is garbage. Okay. The Falcons also are one and five against the spread in the last six as a favorite, but the Jets look, they're one and four against the spread in the last five overall. This is a uh, bad against bad. Now I'm going to cut Zach Wilson a little bit of slack because he's faced Bill Belichick and Nick Fangio in back-to-back weeks. I'm going to cut him a little slack, but This is kind of that make-or-break game. Atlanta's secondary is terrible. Terrible. Taylor Heineke went crazy, okay? He saw no pressure. He was able to to beat the Falcons. I I think Wilson has that as well. The Falcons also, by the way, can't run effectively, so this could be an up-and-down game. And the Jets have big-time defensive back problems. Marcus May is out. LaMarcus Joyner is out. Um, You know, the Titans couldn't take advantage because they were out without their first one and number two wide receivers. But Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts coming to town or coming to England. I mean, this could be interesting. The public loves the Jets here. I lean the Jets, but it's still the Jets, guys. At the end of the day, it's still the Jets. That's just a tough one to go on. Let's go to Sunday, the normal time games, right? One o'clock East Coast. Okay, let's get back into normally. Green Bay, Cincinnati. Packers. 
They've lost the last two trips to Cincinnati. How much does that matter? I don't know, but I will tell you what matters. Jair Alexander being out. Yeah, their number one quarterback is out. And that also adds to the fact that they can't rush the pass because Smith has been out for a while. On the other side, Cincinnati's down Joe Mixon. This is all a problem. Okay, these are major players here. Now, Cincinnati has had the rest advantage, which I think absolutely matters here. When you're dealing with injuries, this matters. Green Bay, right? we know how good they are, right? We we understand how good they can be. But is anybody really impressed with what they've done right now? Look, they beat the Lions. They trailed at half. It's the Lions. Not impressed. They beat the Niners. Yeah, the Niners were completely banged up, didn't have a running back. George Kittle was hurt. Their defense was a mess. Their quarterback was hurt. No. And then they beat the Steelers. Can we talk about how bad I think maybe the Steelers might be this year? So the Packers have done nothing to impress me. Now they're laying three and a half. Everybody, everybody I know is on the Packers. And I'm going, I don't know, Cincinnati at home. Cincinnati at home. The problem is this is one of the things is there is a culture there in Cincinnati and that culture is losing. Cincinnati is one in six against us by the last time after they won a game the next week. So they've got to kind of correct that. It's going to be an interesting game between Rodgers and Burrow, especially if Joe Mixon is missing the game. It is going to, this could turn into a high scoring shootout. Detroit against Minnesota. Minnesota is a team that they are just snake bitten, man. They looked a lot better than their record shows. They are minus eight here, which is about what they should be. Both of these teams struggle against the run. So I expect Cousins to have a big game. I expect Jared Goff to have a big game. But if you're you're leaning on one of the two, and by the way, I say struggle against the run. Um, you, you know, they struggle against the, uh, the run and you go, well, what about Cook? What about Swift? Yeah, but I, I believe that when you struggle against the run as much as these two teams can in the middle, you're going to bring safeties up, which means Cousins and Goff can go deep. Problem is, is, and this is where I was going with this, Cousins has the ability and the, the playmakers to go deep. I don't know if Goff has that. I don't know if Goff has that, right? The Lions, by the way, um, torn Achilles for one of their best pass rushers. I think maybe their best pass rusher. So that hurts. That means that Cousins is going to have more time in the pocket. Detroit is 1-5 against the spread the last six on the road. They don't travel well. Um, Detroit also lost Frank uh, Ragnow to an injury. Taylor Decker is still sidelined. This is just a beat up and a bad team. Also, guys, the Vikings, 40 and 17 against the spread in the last 57 games after a loss. The Vikings have won the last seven meetings in a row. Mike Zimmer is an against the spread darling. Mike Zimmer is 68 and 48 against the spread overall. And the Vikings are 34 and 22 against the spread at home since 2014. I know it's a it's a rising line, and nobody believes in Minnesota. This is one of those spots where this might just be a bet against Detroit. Denver, Pittsburgh, minus one and a half, minus one. It's a lot of people leaning Denver, and I get it. Look, but you can't you can't even go near this game. Okay, I'm recording this during the week. I always record this during the week. If you're listening on Sunday morning, you can't go near this game until you hear what is the status of Teddy Bridgewater. Right? If this is a Drew Locke game, you kind of like Pittsburgh. Denver what, last week was down five starters, seven players. A lot of these guys, this is an injury game. I don't even want to analyze this game because it's all about the Denver injuries, who are massive, massive impact players. Let's talk about Miami and Tampa. Tampa opened up as a 10 point favorite, it's up to 11 and a half. The public is pouring in on Tampa. Brady faces another defensive coach here, and Brian Flores. Um, no Gronk. But it's the defensive backs that are really the concern. 
Tampa Bay's pulling people off the streets at this point, a defensive backfield. I mean, that's really what it is. And you look at what Miami does well. You you think that a team that plays defense and they're on their backup quarterback should be running the ball. But no, this is a throwing team now. Uh, Gazeki's finally getting involved. Now, Wolf Fuller will be out. So that hurts the deep game. But Waddle filled in nicely. Parker's got to start catching some passes. Brian Flores on the other side should know this Brady-led offense. But he's going to have success against it? I don't know. Miami is yet to allow, uh, to let to have a game with 200 yards passing, but I think they want to pass, and we'll see. Look, Miami's defense is a, a, a mess last week. They allowed 349 yards, but overall, they're a good team. I mean, this Dolphins team is up and down, and it really can frustrate you. So let's look at just the Bucs, right? And the Bucs, Tom Brady as a starter, 196, 136 against the spread, but we know what that was, you know, what kind of teams that was with. The Bucs also, I worry about them being unfocused here, right? I worry about this team coming off of that giant. I mean, you we don't have a better regular season game and in prime time, and they got the win. I worry about the unfocused factor. The Bucs are 5-1 against the spread in the last six games overall. I think the Bucs win. I just don't know about double digits here, guys. Saints, Washington. Saints are about a one-point favorite on the road against Washington. The Saints' pass defense, they were a mess against the Giants. They, they were, it was just bad. Mar, uh, Lattimore is a good player, and, and, and they can get some pressure with Cam Jordan and whatnot. The Saints' passing defense was a sieve against Jones? Really? I mean, that's what we're doing. Look, now, New Orleans is 8-3 and three against the spread over the last 11, and, and the Saints offensively were down a couple of offensive linemen, but that doesn't make any excuses for what their defense did or didn't do last week. Now, Sean Payton's 23-14 and 14 against the spread after a loss at, when he's a favorite. He corrects the ship. And Washington, well, they're 5-1 against the spread the last six games following a straight-up win. I just worry about this Washington defense. To me, this is a battle of uh, two teams that th- this should be an under all day. But what I've watched this year tells me it's going to be an over because neither defense has stepped up and performed anywhere near what I thought that they should be. Eagles, Carolina. Carolina's a four-point home favorite. You look at Carolina, who's dealing with injuries, and McCaffrey's done, and, and you know they had to go trade because J.C. Horn was banged up. And you, you have all that, and people made a big deal about the Carolina injuries. And Carolina, look, they're still a four-point favorite, but they should be increasingly bigger favorite than Philadelphia because Philly's dealing with injuries, too, that no one's talking about. The Eagles last week were missing four offensive linemen. Now, they faced a Chiefs team that did not Frank Clark. So people are going to go, all right, look, they they did well. No, they didn't, okay? And the Eagles don't have Brandon Graham. That defense has looked bad. First two games, Eagles defense looked good. Brandon Graham goes out, they've looked terrible. The Eagles are also 1-11 against the spread in the last dozen games after they lose by double digits, right? And the Panthers are 5-0 against the spread after they lost last week. This is a game where this line should be 7, and it's 4. But it scares me because Hurts can really capitalize on this Carolina defense. The one thing that worries me about this Carolina defense is a running quarterback, and you got one here. Titans, Jags, again, another game. You got to worry about the injuries. Titans are minus four against Jacksonville. Um, You could say, yeah, Tennessee is one and five against the spread in the last six games as a road favorite. They didn't look good last week. They lost against the Jets. They blew it late. Their defense is bad, and I harped on that all offseason, how bad this defense is. So you're not going to hear me making any excuses, but I'm going to say this. You cannot go near this game because we have no idea what the Urban Meyer distraction factor is. We really, truly don't. 
Urban Meyer distraction factor has to be factored into this game. We've got to look at this game and wonder about that, wonder what it creates, wonder what that means, wonder what the Jacksonville team, did he lose the locker room? Like, there is a lot of rumors. I, I don't know. And I can't go into a game with ever, anytime, without ever knowing everything about the game. I, I can't go in with I don't knows. And I don't know here, one side or the other. All right, last game on the early window. New England at Houston. That, this line keeps going up. It was seven and a half, eight, eight and a half. Now it is nine, and everybody seems to be going in on the Patriots. Well, why not? Look, Patriots looked good. They went toe-to-toe with the GOAT, Tom Brady, on national TV, one of the most watched games ever, one of the most bet games ever. They blew people's tickets up all over the place because the Bucks were massively publicly bet. And New England looked good, and Mac Jones looked good, and their defense looked good. So everyone's going to jump on them. But guys, how can you take Houston here? I, I really, look, I'm not even trying to tell you, uh, you know, one way or the other. Uh, you cannot bet Houston here. Houston scored nine points in their last two games. Their last two losses. Nine points! Are we kidding? Davis Mills had 87 passing yards and four interceptions. That's the 100th game in NFL history with four picks at under 100 yards passing. And 90 of them probably came before like 1950. I mean, this is ridiculous. And Bill Belichick, by the way, right? Let's talk about what he, what does he do against rookies? He's now 22-6 and six against rookie quarterbacks. That's Davis Mills. Last year held two at 145 yards. This year held Wilson to four picks. Last year, he held Justin Herbert to 209 yards. This is just... A complete mismatch. I don't know if the Texans score. And I said that the biggest bet that I made this year was the Patriots against the Jets. And I said, because I just don't think that the Jets score a point. Now, they didn't score a touchdown. Scored a couple of field goals. I don't think Davis Mills scores a point here. I really don't. The problem is, is that Texans have been a little stingy. They've been a little tough. Tough. They've been that kind of out. And I don't love the rising line. If I was able to get this at seven, I would have been all over it. But Bill is the kind of guy, and this is the kind of team that he's putting together, that they just sort of win ugly. Right? I mean, that's what we're looking at. This is a kind of win ugly sort of game. And they like those win ugly sort of games. This is a Belichick team that that has been in the past, his formula. That's been in the past what he likes. I'm okay with rain and snow and sleet and running and defense, but this is the new NFL. And everybody thinks you got to throw it all over the all over the field. Look, Belichick is going to be old style. This is an old style type of game. I cannot advise anybody out there to go anywhere near Houston. Again, I'm not saying I could possibly sit back and lay this big number. I can't. But I can't bet Houston, there's just no way. But again, Belichick is looking to the past. We're looking to the future. So let's go back to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to the future. future. Okay, guys, let's go bet to the future. And let's talk about the odds to win the wild and crazy NFC West. Even though the Arizona Cardinals are 4-0, they are not the leader in the clubhouse. The Los Angeles Rams are still plus 150. Arizona is plus 175 with their 4-0 record entering the week. Seattle is plus 450. The San Francisco 49ers pulling up the rear at plus 650. And that is bet to the future. 
All right, guys, look, we're going to go right into uh, some of those games, and we'll start off with San Francisco and Arizona. I said it. Look, Arizona is the only undefeated team right now in this conference. It's the only undefeated team that's separating themselves, and they are getting some public money. Look, the Cardinals are minus four. It's gone up to four and a half, and this is what we're looking at, right? All of a sudden, people are banging on the Cardinals, but they're not getting the love from the sports books. The Cardinals have won 10 of the last 14 meetings against San Francisco. Cliff Kingsbury is 3-3 three and three against San Francisco in his career. But San Francisco's banged up. San Francisco's not looking good. San Francisco is going to be starting a rookie quarterback. Yet the line is in a position where you're sitting back and you're going, this is a little interesting, right? Well, it's only four, four and a half. That is an interesting line. You know, to me, look, the Arizona Cardinals are going to fall off the map. We just don't know exactly when. I don't think they're going to finish with a losing record or anything like that, but they, they're not going to continue to win these kind of games over and over and over. This division is going to eat each other alive. We just know that. Is this the week? You know, I can't go and take a banged up team with a banged up quarterback against the red hot, hot Cardinals. Not in this spot, but it is an interesting line that makes me absolutely double take and go, mm, okay, that's an interesting situation. All right, let's talk Bears and Raiders. The Bears earlier in the week, they announced that Justin Fields will be the quarterback from here moving forward. So let's put to rest all of the nonsense of Nick Foles. Let's put to rest all of the nonsense of Andy Dalton coming back and getting his job. It's a complete waste of money what they did with Andy Dalton. It's more of a waste of money what they did with Nick Foles. But eventually they got it right and Justin Fields is there. The conversation of Fire Nagy has been loud. Fire Nagy has been massive. Fire Nagy, Fire Nagy, Fire Nagy has all been in the news everywhere. But the Bears are 2-2. Two and two. They're only a game back of Green Bay with a head-to-head meeting coming on up. So the Bears, however they're getting it done, they're getting it done. Now, there are some injury news, news here uh, that we have to worry about. David Montgomery is out for the Bears, and Damian Williams, his backup, has a, a bone bruise, so he's going to give it a go, it looks like. But you know what? That could leave a rookie back there. Justin Fields is going to have to win these games with his arm. And right now he's winning games with his legs or he's trying to. He's going to have to sit in the pocket. And the Bears offensive line isn't giving him a lot to do that with. The Raiders defensive line has been living in people's backfields. The Raiders minus five and a half here in a game that watches everybody just pile up on the Raiders. Yeah, I know they lost on Monday night, but people still don't care. They're still going in on the Raiders. It's a short week. Now it is a home game, but it's a short week. It's an unknown quarterback, per se. You don't really know what you're going to get from Justin Fields. And the Raiders lost three cornerbacks against the Chargers. I think the question is, can Fields take advantage of the missing cornerbacks? We could sit back and we could talk about defensive backs all day long, but if Fields can't take advantage, with that being said, Robinson and Mooney could be in for huge days. They are both very talented. They are both two players that, you know, they're going to get open. They're going to get... Uh, Justin Fields in a position where he can be a success. I just don't know if you can have plenty of faith in Justin Fields at this point in his career right now. And uh, with Nagy still sort of calling the plays, it's a tough game to go on. Normally, I'd be all over the Bears, but this was a weird situation, at least in, in my opinion. This is this is a, a tough one. All right, Browns, Chargers. Look, let's talk about it because these two teams are really, really, really looking to come out of the doldrums that has been the existence of these teams for decades. And both of them have a lot of good to look forward to. 
Both of these teams are in a position where they can erase a lot. Look, you want to talk about, you know, being snake bit, the Chargers are it. Every year we're doing our preseason talk and I go, you know, the Chargers are the team with the most talent, but I can't go near them because of the Chargers, right? And the Browns have been that for, for decades. But the Browns, all of a sudden, they changed it over. Stefanski won Coach of the Year. They have an offensive line, probably the best in the NFL. They have a running game, probably the best in the NFL. As a matter of fact, they are the top-rushing offense in the NFL right now. So the question was, can their defense step up? Well, they made some improvements. They got Johnson. We we already knew what Garrett was going to be. They did interesting things on defense that we thought, okay. And the question is Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield looks bad. Look, he completed 90 0.5% of his passes against the Texans in week two. Since then, he's thrown 30 incompletions, 34 of 60, and he's completed 53% of his passes. Baker Mayfield looks bad. He looks like the guy that would hold this team back right now. The defense, eh, they had their problems. They had nine sacks in week three. They looked really good against the Vikings last week. So I think they're coming around. On the other side, look, the Browns are still the Browns. They don't travel well. The last 10 trips they've traveled, one and nine on the West Coast against the spread, and, and one of nine straight up since 2012. The Chargers are a team coming off of a, a another big win. They're, they're a team that is coming off of back-to-back big wins, a team that's coming off of back-to-back big performances by their quarterback, who is looking elite right now. I don't know if there's many guys in the NFL. I'm taking over him as a starting quarterback. Look, let's talk about Justin Herbert, right? I guess you take Mahomes over him, right? And I guess you have to, at least I have to take Josh Allen over him. And that might be it. (laughs) I mean, really, you know, look, for a one-year situation, I'm taking Brady, of course. uh, But I'm talking about if if you're starting a team right now. Mahomes and Herbert, it's closer than you think. And Allen is kind of closing that gap. So he's a superstar. We know that. This is all about kind of which defense steps up. And what is Baker Mayfield right now? They can win without him because they could just run the ball effectively. I get that. But Baker Mayfield, if they want big things this year, Baker Mayfield's got to step up and he's got to be what Baker Mayfield looked like at times last year. That's who he has to be. Let's talk about the NFC least that all of a sudden has an interesting team in the Cowboys. Cowboys are seven and a half point favorites at home against their rival, the Giants. And the Giants have looked good in spurts here recently, right? The Cowboys have won 12 of the last 16 meetings head-to-head. They own the Giants. Let's just be honest. We talked about the best running game in football. Well, the Cowboys have the second best running game in the NFL. And you look at the Cowboys, they're the only team in the NFL that's 4-0 against the spread. This seems like a little bit of an inflated line, but I'm still sitting there and saying, I think the Cowboys are a little underrated. Weirdly, I don't know how it happened, but it did. Now, Daniel Jones isn't going to light anybody on fire, but he's played effectively. And I think he knows he's playing for not only his job, but his future. He'll be Mitch Trubinsky up in Buffalo, right? I think Saquon Barkley, they they held him back. And I wrote an article about this, that they held him back the first three weeks because they had to play three games, or the first two weeks, they had to play three games in two weeks. So it was three games in 14 days. They That was Saquon. Uh, Kenny Galladay starting to get healthy. So Dallas is a little, look, They're a little underrated, but I think the Giants are a little underrated here. The line is interesting. If this line was six and a half, I'd be all over Dallas. I think they could win by a touchdown, but it's seven and a half and now rising to eight. And it makes me worry just slightly. All right, guys, let's go to the Sunday night game, which this year, the Sunday night games have all been really good. And the Monday night games have been blowouts. So I expect another good game here. Kansas City is the traditional three-point favorite 
at home against the Bills. I know I've seen some two and a halfs, but basically they're a three-point favorite. Meaning on a neutral field, this would be a pick'em game. Guys, on a neutral field, this should be a pick'em game, uh, right? I, I know Kansas City has struggled. Uh, and Buffalo, look, I, I still think going to Kansas City is a little tough. The Bills are looking at the standings, and they're not only looking at their division, they're also looking at the AFC, and they have a chance to put themselves two games up on Kansas City for home field advantage, which would be massive for the playoffs. And you have to think, come playoff time, look, Josh Allen up in Orchard Park, that weather, that environment, I think the Bills know how much that advantage really matters. The Bills, they lead the league in turnover ratio plus seven, nine of the last 10 Bills games have been decided by double digits. That's an interesting stat. Now let's talk about the Chiefs. Look, the Chiefs are 1-7 against the spread the last eight at Arrowhead. They don't cover spreads. We talked about it last week. They just don't cover spreads. Now they did it, okay, but they don't, they, they've covered now one spread since October of last year or five spreads since October of last year. One spread so far this year. They're just not a covering team. But this is a reasonable line, as was last week's. The Chiefs through four weeks, they've given up the second most points in the NFL and second most yards. Josh Allen, this is your game, right? The Bills have given up the fewest points in the NFL. But do we really believe in this Bills defense? Look, they have not played great offenses. I think we realize that, right? I mean, Houston's on the ledger, Pittsburgh's on the ledger, but they're still doing really well. And the Bills, for I don't care who you are, this is still the NFL. And the Bills have outscored their opponents 118 to 21 in the last three weeks. The Bills are flying high. It's the Arrowhead thing. Do you expect Mahomes to lose in primetime in Arrowhead? Never. This is one of those games sports bettors are going to go crazy for. Everyone's going to load up here. And I'm just sitting back and I'm going, guys, how about we just watch a good game, right? Because I could see this going either way. I could make either case for either way. I lean the Bills, but if the Bills were giving three, I'd lean the Chiefs. That's how I feel about this one. All right, last game, Monday Night Football. I said Monday Night Football games have been been blowouts all year long. They've been, you love the Sunday night game. The Monday night game, you're sleeping early here on the East Coast. Indianapolis at Baltimore. Baltimore, six and a half point favorite. I've seen it at seven in some shops. You could find it at six also, so shop around depending on who you want here. Baltimore playing at home, playing in primetime, playing on Monday night. Look, Harbaugh's traditionally fantastic there. The Ravens in primetime games are 9-3 against the spread of the last 12, right? So they are really good, including, by the way, beating the Chiefs in the same kind of spot just a couple of weeks ago. I know the Chiefs aren't the Chiefs, but still, right? The Ravens have also won four of the last five in this series. Baltimore comes into this game going, okay, we had early season injuries, but we're putting it together. People made a big deal. I I, I went crazy. I, I I did. And I told you guys, I kind of leaned that way. And anybody that listened to my, the other shows on Sports Garden Network on a Sunday morning, or, listen, I told everybody Baltimore. I loved Baltimore. Why? So people got down on Baltimore. Why? Why are you down on Baltimore? You're down on Baltimore because they take on Kansas City. Okay, they beat Kansas City. Then they go and take on Detroit. And they struggle a little bit with Detroit in a game where... Uh, their star wide receiver drops two passes with two easy touchdowns. Get out of here. They had a little bit of an emotional letdown. They still walked away with a win. They had an emotional letdown in a game where balls were dropped. They still walked away with a win. Now they go to Denver. Oh, unbeaten Denver. But Denver didn't play anybody. I, I grabbed them. Okay, so now they've gone to Detroit. Now they've gone to Denver. They've walked away with wins. And now again, I think this is a soft line. Carson Wentz is coming in with two hurt ankles. The best offensive lineman in football, Quentin Nelson, is out of this game. Okay? 
you can see problems in Indianapolis all over the place. Baltimore's defense should feast. They should have a good game. The only thing I worry about about Indy is very simply this. I think it's only a matter of time before Jonathan Taylor gets hot. And I know he's a volume back, and I know you got Nakeem Hines there, and I, I get it. I think it's a matter of time before this guy goes on a streak. I believe in his talent. I believe in Wisconsin. I liked him last year. I knew it took some time to get going. The Baltimore Ravens are a really good defense. I think they're going to come after Carson Wentz. And they should be able to stop the run here. But if they're too aggressive to come after an injured Carson Wentz, and they're coming after Wentz to make him make mistakes, that will open up the running game for Jonathan Taylor. That will open it up to watch a big game and a guy that I can just see breaking out because he's due. He's due to just absolutely take a game over. That's a concern here. And Lamar Jackson, we know, doesn't come back. And the Baltimore Ravens don't come back. And they can't come back from deficits. The Colts' strategy here, get up quickly, get up big, and then run Jonathan Taylor. That's what their strategy is. We'll see if they can do it. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. I'm Tom Bard for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.